Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Hour number two of Sports Talk begins. Normally, this is our Thursday hour number three guest, but because there's basketball tomorrow, Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com will join us today. And so he is with us for the next hour. Brent's appearance is brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. You can view their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. And if you have a question or comment for Brent, a couple of ways you can share that with us. 865-656-9900. Use that number to join the conversation. Or 865-656-9900 allows you to text us your question or comment, but uh, plenty to discuss at this point in time. Uh, Brent Hubs, how are you? I'm doing good. Hope you guys are doing well. Doing well, and right now we, uh, we're we starting to see the aftermath of a couple of things that were big last week. You had the Combine in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and uh, boy, Darnell Wright continues to just climb the charts, doesn't he? And then, uh, and then also, uh, as Rob Lewis pushed, nudged us in the right direction, <laughs> Uh, while Tennessee had a number of visitors in over the weekend, it was more of a rising sophomore-junior weekend as opposed to seniors, or I should say junior weekend. But anyhow, it just seems like Tennessee is getting rave reviews from a number of very highly regarded either 24 or 25 prospects. Yeah, I think you're starting to see the the fruits of the, the labor of last season really starting to show up. Tennessee's not the hottest school in the country. I'm not suggesting that, but they are a um, – they got a little bit of an it factor going for them right now. <clears throat> and and I think that that's something that uh, they've struggled to have. I think when you play the, the brand of football that they're playing, I think that helps. Everybody wants to see what's going on at Tennessee, right? Like, what's what's the deal? What What is all this about? Um, so you get guys in to take a look at it. Now the challenge is to get those 25s and 26 back on campus. But you did get an initial group in, which was a, which was really good. Um, can you get them back for spring? How often can you get them back? That type of thing. That's the world of recruiting that we live in. And then you couple that with the combine, and that only further enhances the 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 kind of what's going on at Tennessee thought process, right? Because Darnell Wright wasn't on anybody's draft board two years ago. Um, Jalen Hyatt was a no, you know, wasn't a known game. Here's Byron Young yep. as a guy, and all of a sudden now there's people talking about Tennessee. From a development standpoint, well, what does that do? That pushes you in the realm of, wait a minute, that they're doing some things beyond just wearing different uniforms and fireworks and light shows and scoring a bunch of points. There's some things going on football-wise to get you ready for the next level. That matters. We saw that with Rick Barnes. You know, when you everybody talked about for years, when, when's Rick Barnes going to recruit the high-profile guy? Well, then Admiral and Grant, and they mm-hmm. did what they did, and all of a sudden, one and done, started being interested in Tennessee. This is You're going to start to see that a little further, uh, more and more, I think, with Tennessee. So uh, Tennessee football is in a good spot right now. Uh, they, you know, are they going to win 10, 11 games this next year? I'm not saying that, but there's a – they have – the credibility factor in recruiting for Tennessee football is, is really solid right now and really good because there's an identity, there's a brand, there's a style, and there's a tangible proof of it all right now. And that's that's 
Those are high qualities in recruiting. And it's not surprising to uh, to see offensive players really take a shine to uh, to what Tennessee's doing with Coach Heupel uh, and the new OC Halsley and, and everything on that side of the ball. But you also know that uh, if you're going to be in the mix for things like Tennessee was, as they're a, a loss away, a bad loss at South Carolina away from perhaps being in the college football playoff, you're going to get interest from the defensive side of the ball and the uh, top corner in the class of 25, Jonte Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Um, he is committed already, but he had a great time uh, at Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee's swinging there. I mean, that's probably a, a bit of a long shot, but they got him on campus, and, and you never know what happens. You know, when when you look at, at where it's at, I mean, he's committed to Ohio State, but, you, you know, you just keep swinging. He took a visit to see you. I mean, Caleb Beasley, who's committed to Tennessee, is taking other visits, and Tennessee fans are going, what does it mean? Well, you know, are we okay type deal? You just keep recruiting. And a lot of times when a guy commits, that he gets recruited that much harder by everybody else. But he did take a visit, saw Tennessee. Can they get him back on campus? You know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, you, you're seeing – you are seeing defensive players, you know, more defensive players show up and, and more defensive players being interested. Again, a year, two years ago you were selling – on defense you were selling a concept – at least Josh Heupel had an identity. He could put on Missouri tape. He could put on, you know, Central Florida tape and say, this is what we're doing. Defensively, you were selling, this is what we want to do. Yeah. This is that we, we want to be a pressure team. Well, what does that mean, right? I mean, we, we want to get after the quarterback. We want to be aggressive. Well, what does that mean? When now you see it, you've got two years of it, and you've got some progress in those two years, which certainly helps Tennessee as well. Brent, I thought Tennessee, unlike some other people, defensively, I thought they only had, out of 13 games, I thought they had three bad games. I thought South Carolina, Mm -hmm. Florida, and they won it, and Alabama, they won it. I didn't think the others were bad games. Maybe average to pretty good. I thought they played well against Clemson. I thought the defense actually accounted fairly well for itself. I know the secondary would rank, what, 127. But I, I thought the defense uh, showed improvement last year from the previous year. Two places where they had to improve, and I thought they did. Red zone defense mm-hmm. and third down defense. Yep. They were better getting off the field. Not great, but better getting off the field than they were the first year. Mm-hmm. By far, a, a good bit better. And they forced more field goals. And then they gave up touchdowns. This defense, with the way they play offense, is going to give up yards. I don't think this is going to be a defense that's – you know, hey, we got seven three and outs in this game. You know, you may play some teams that should do that, but they're going to give up some yards. The question is, can they force turnovers? Can they get off the field? I think the next step for them is the turnover thing. More negative plays mm-hmm. to force punts, be better, be even a little better on third down, but but force turnovers. And I think that's another step for them. But I thought they took a really nice step from year one to year two in Tim Banks's defense. I, I'm with you. Now they were bad against South Carolina. They I mean I mean bad, bad, bad. But um outside of that, you know, they, they did some okay things. I mean that Alabama game, seven points one on them. That was you know, that was a an offensive touchdown. Um and, and I, I still contend that Bryce Young was the best player in the country last year, in my opinion. Most valuable player to his team last year. He was unbelievable in Knoxville. They knocked him around. You know, if you said you hit him enough, he'll be okay. No. I mean, he, he was he was really good. I don't know how it translates to the NFL. I have some reservations because he's, he's not the biggest guy in the world. 
But holy smokes, you watch him play in person, he is he's a crazy good football player. I mean, he, he's as good as Tennessee played last year. Um, Florida, you know, they were in control there. They, they don't finish it offensively, and then defensively they're just hung on for dear life at the end. But they made Anthony Richardson a whole bunch of money. Um, along with the combine, I guess, yeah. with, with where he's at right now. If anybody can figure out the quarterback draft uh, in this deal, let me know because I, <laughs> I, I need somebody to educate it, um, educate me on it because I'm just not sold on the people that the NFL seems to be sold on right now. Um, but that's why I'm doing a talk show in Knoxville, Tennessee, and not sitting in anybody's GM office anywhere in the, in the NFL because I don't, I don't get the quarterback stuff. Those GMs don't always get it right, do they? Yeah, they don't. I just, I mean, look, I think Anthony Richardson's got a lot of measurables, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, top five, top seven pick. You know, I, I we've talked about Will Levis, and that's nothing personal against Will Levis. I just don't buy it. Mm-hmm. I just you can't sell me on it. For, you know, for whatever reason, I'm, I've seen him play enough that it just doesn't do a whole lot for me. But um, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully some of those NFL teams get it right because somebody's going to invest some money and some guys they're going to be rolling the dice in that quarterback position. In my opinion, it's funny when I made the comment to somebody else the other day about they had three bad games. One of them was Alabama. He said, No, no, no. That was Bryce Young. You can't count that one. <laughs> he was really, he, yeah. he was really, re- I mean, Tennessee did some things in that game, got some pressure to him that you went, okay. And then, and they got him in some third longs, and he made a couple of plays where he just freelanced and made a play. And you're like, I, I don't, I don't really know what you're supposed to do there. You know, I mean, what, what are you supposed to do on, on those plays? And hey, if he doesn't do that against Texas, they lose that game. Right, yeah. and there and there's a couple other games. If he doesn't do that, they lose those football games because he was really good. Well, I, I wrote in my blog after that game. That's the best quarterback battle I've ever seen at Neyland Stadium, because Hendon Hooker was also brilliant. Yes, yes, fantastic. Those two were, those two were terrific. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I'll I'll bounce this off both of you. Pete Prisco, um, have been following him for years. Writes about the NFL for CBS, and sometimes we are peanut butter and jelly, and sometimes <laughs> we're peanut butter and petroleum jelly. I mean, <laughs> sometimes we're right there, and sometimes no, I don't think so. He tweeted the other day, and the uh, and the when everybody starts pointing to the ratio in terms of the replies, that's when you think, okay, maybe he has uh, thrown out very very minority opinion. But he says, if Will Levis had played in Alabama or Georgia, he'd be the top pick in the draft. And I'm thinking, I just don't know. I mean, maybe there's a reason that he wasn't at Alabama or Georgia. Am he would, I right there? He, he would have carried the clipboard at Alabama for Bryce Young, and he would have carried the clipboard at Georgia, maybe not just for Stetson Bennett, but maybe for Carson Beck behind him. Will Levis went to the – listen, when you talk about transfer portal wins and making the right decisions – he went from being the backup at Penn State, where he got beat out, to going to Kentucky to get to play, and now he finds himself as a first-round draft pick. That's a good decision. He picked a good school to go to. I will say this in defense of Will Levis from year one to year two at Kentucky. He did not have the weapons around him in year two that he had in year one. Or the or, same, or, or or the the same coordinator. Line. Yeah, same coordinator. His offensive line wasn't as good. He ended up throwing. The two leading receivers were freshmen, first-year players. There's growing pains there. He still does some things where you're throwing the ball and putting it in, in harm's way and everywhere else. But watching Will Levis for two years in college football, watching Bryce Young, he, he ain't playing in Alabama. He's not better than Bryce Young. Now, what does it translate to in the NFL? I don't know. I'm telling you, in the college game, if you tell me you're dra- who you're drafting in the college game, give me Bryce Young 10 times out of 10 over Will Levis. 
And so I, 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 I saw that tweet and I was like, I don't know that that one's going to marinate very well. Yeah. You know, we'll see. <laughs> Petroleum but, jelly. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like, I was, I kind of read it went, uh, I might've picked a couple of other schools and not those two. I mean, he did leave out Ohio state, which he wasn't going to play there either. But I mean, I, I he's not going to beat out those guys for that, for, for the, for the job this past year, I don't think. That's Brent Hubbs with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. Sports Talk continues. To join us, 865-656-9900. Use that number to call or text the program. 865-656-9900. This is Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Every week, Michael Rosenbaum is getting deep with someone new on the Inside of You podcast. Let's get inside of Shelly Hennig. So Obliterated's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I had the best time. It was challenging, but it was like the show. It doesn't always happen. Everybody's trying to make a show and you're not. It's no fun. Genuinely. And if it wasn't, I would just keep my mouth shut and talk about something else. Like, it was. Hey, it was fine. Because I've done that. I've asked people and they're like, you know. Yeah. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen. Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Himes of John Wilkerson, our guest Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. Had to bump him up a day since there is basketball tomorrow. And speaking of basketball tomorrow, Brent, what do you think in terms of the path for the volunteers as they find themselves playing on Thursday? So if they are to repeat as SEC tournament champs, they have to win four games in a row. Uh, it starts with the winner of tonight's game between Ole Miss and South Carolina. Each team won a game. They played twice this year. Each team won a game, and Tennessee was 3-0 and against those teams, collectively sweeping the Gamecocks, winning uh, by 40-plus points each time. Um, you then, if you win tomorrow, get a rematch with Missouri, which the reason that Missouri gets to play Friday instead of having to play Thursday is the half-court heave that they hit after Tennessee had stormed back from down 17 at one point in that second half when the Tigers played here and won here in Knoxville. So, uh, we got to see them play the better part of a game and win without Sakai Ziegler, but then their first game without him um, that they prepared for, Auburn at home, not a huge surprise. They won four straight at home against Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tennessee's offense just left them, you know, with six minutes to play. You got the lead there, and you got a chance, and Tennessee just couldn't close it. And I think they missed Zakai during that six-minute stretch for sure, and they missed him defensively because Wendell Green got downhill, as Rob talked about earlier this week. I mean, he got to the rim with relative ease. When you look at the SEC tournament and the draw, I think there's two there's two van two viewpoints. One, playing four games in four days with this team is going to be really hard to to pull off. I think that would be the a, not a shock, but a real surprise if you got there. So yeah, you'd like to have the extra day off. At the same time, too. This team probably needs to play as many games as they can play to try to figure out life without Zakai Ziegler. Because what what they can't do, and Rick Barnes has acknowledged this, what they can't do is give the ball to Santiago and say play 40 minutes, be the leading scorer, be the distributor, and be our best perimeter defender. And oh, by the way, help us lead in rebounds, you know? Yes. You do that, we got a chance to win. That's not realistic. 
So how do you offensively come up ways to spell him, to get the ball out of his hands and let him do some of the things that he does best, running off screens? How do you give him some help defensively to where he doesn't have to play the best guy on ball perimeter defense? You know what I'm saying? And so I think to do that, you probably need another game. And I'm not I'm not saying that tomorrow's a scrimmage game by any means. you got to go out and win it. I mean, Ole Miss has not quit, even though – you know, Chris Beard's interviewing for the job, and they got a new coach coming. I'll give that team credit. They have not quit. They played Missouri well on Missouri's home floor to close out the regular season. South Carolina's got, you know, got struggles, and Tennessee's got the number. I just think Tennessee needs minutes more than wins at this point. And look, you want to win a, a, a tournament championship, but I don't think the odds are in Tennessee's favor there. The committee's already shown you you don't play for a lot of seeding in the tournament if you're already in the tournament. So Tennessee needs to go figure Tennessee out before you get to the big tournament. And to do that, an extra game is probably not the worst thing in the world for this team to try to figure some of that stuff out. Yeah, I agree with that. And the way to get more minutes is to win, right? So Right. And and they should get two games. Should. And Missouri, I I think they can beat Missouri without mm-hmm. Ziegler. Uh, I don't know about Alabama, if that's where it comes to. But I, I'm really curious. I mentioned this, John, earlier. I want to see them play – at at least a high enough level to give me some optimism that going into the NCAA tournament they can make a little noise. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, how are you going to do it? What what are you going to try to do? Because I, I know what the security blanket answer is 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 to put it in 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 Vescovi's hands, you know, and say here you go. Um, I, I just that's just not realistic to to do that thirty nine minutes, even if you got a day off in between. You just can't wear somebody down like that. I mean, he, he's got to have some help. He's got to have help bringing the ball up the floor. You know, some guys are going to have to step up and do some different things. You know, I it, we're too late in the year for, for anybody to, to have a vision that the front court's going to become consistent for a run here. You know, so can you survive on a day where those guys don't show up and they don't score? You know, it's harder without Ziegler to do that. Yeah, it, it is harder without yeah. Ziegler, and and that's for sure. Or can those, you know, can – can you take that collection of guys and muster up enough somehow between three or four of them to, to get through? I mean, they all can't. All four can't go and basically not score, and you have a chance to win. So we'll, we'll see if they can if they can find some of that moving forward. I, I think it's a real challenge for this team. I was I was surprised B.J. Edwards didn't play against Auburn. And I'm so, su- yeah, I'm surprised he didn't play against Arkansas. Yeah, you got a, you got a big lead in the second half. Yeah, you know if you. If you believe what you say publicly and that you trust him and those type of things, you know, give give him a give him a uh, you know some minutes and see what happens. I, I just I don't have any reason to believe he's going to play tomorrow based on what's happened the last two games. Your actions suggest otherwise, as far as the we trust and mm-hmm. believe in him. So, I think Tyreek Key will see a considerable amount of minutes, and I thought he did fairly well at Auburn. Uh, and then uh, maybe, I don't know, you think James plays some more point? Yeah, I mean, I think that you just have to, you know, I, I don't I don't know that either one of these teams are going to press you. I, I think, it, and Rob said this in one of our podcasts, I think it's going to be kind of rip it and go. If you're, if you're Meshack and you get a mm-hmm. rebound, don't, don't, don't hold it and look for, look for Santi. Just go. Yeah. 
you know, if it, if it's Josiah, just go and, and Kyrie, just y'all get the ball up the floor and and let's 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 go play that way more than necessarily getting it straight to a to a point guard and, and getting it to that to that point because once they get in a set once they get in their offense they could run it through a point forward they could run it through Josiah if they mm-hmm. want to those types of things like that um, and, and so I, I think you can see it more aggressively that way. Let's get a call from Lee. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Lee. Hey, guys. How are you? Fine. How are you? Doing very well. Um, You know, listening to you guys and Jimmy, and it almost sounds like, yeah, we're going to maybe make a little run and here and there. Does this team not have any – I mean – Ziegler is not that big of a deal to me. I think Phillips and um, Triple J have have to be the stars, not Vescovi. Do you think they – I mean, are we looking for going out in 16? I mean, what do you guys think? I think this team, when you watch them, when they beat Alabama or – but they beat Kansas, I mean, mm-hmm. they have – potential to be a really good team. I think the defense, lately it looks like our defense has kind of gotten slack, but I mean, what do you think? I I don't think that, it it doesn't sound a lot of listening to you guys, it does not sound like you really think they have a chance to get past much more than 32 at all. Well, I think it depends on the draw. And, and Lee, you and I are just going to disagree on on the impact of Zakai Ziegler. I, I think I think Zakai Ziegler's impact on this team is significant on both ends of the floor. I think you look at the games Tennessee won. Um, I, I think Zakai has played well. Um, I think there was a stretch in January where he, you could make the case he was the best point guard in the SEC uh, with the way he was playing. Um, that they made all SEC. That Missouri comeback from 17 points down, yeah. and what the coaches feel about him, the opposing yeah. coaches. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I just, I think his, I think his impact on both ends of the floor is, is bigger than than maybe what you what you think. That's my opinion and, and where it is, and I, and that's where I think. Yeah, I, mean, I think fine. they, I think they miss him. I think they they missed him down the stretch, and this is where yeah. you worry about this team. Tournament games, you're going to get to that final media timeout at the four-minute mark, and it's going to be a one-possession game or a two-possession game. And at that point, it's about an individual go make it a play because you've run all your sets, right? You, you've you run the back cut. You've run the lob, John. You're not going to get that action that you got earlier in the game because somebody's going to defend that. It comes down to an individual or a couple of guys on your team making a play. Who is going to be that playmaker for Tennessee on this team in those closing moments. That's my biggest question mark about this team overall for a could tournament I make, run. Could I make one last point? Sure. Um, this is my thing. I think the best player on the court by far the whole year, he's not been utilized, is number two, is the five-star. And I can remember Kenny Chandler. Was it Chandler last year? I know we miss a point guard, but... I think Phillips has been the most underutilized star I've ever seen in all of basketball. He's kind of always getting 10, 12 points. He ought to be getting 20. I mean, what do you guys think about uh, about Phillips? I mean, is he just shy or 
I mean, is he going pro? I mean, they say he's like a like a lottery pick. Is he? I don't is think he not? so. I I've been disappointed in him. I thought he'd have a better year. I saw him get twenty five against Southern Cal mm-hmm. earlier this year, and mm-hmm. I thought, oh my goodness. Yeah, he's he, huge in the battle for Atlantis. Yes, he was, but but he has not been consistent. He did have an injury. I get that the hip flexor. You could argue maybe they should have gone to him more often, but I, I've been disappointed. I thought he would have a more impactful season. I thought statistically he would be better. Overall, I thought he would be better, and I, I don't think he's the best player on the court for Tennessee. I thought he did well, very well in the pre-conference, but mm-hmm. I also think, Brent, that once you got to conference play and other teams had accounted for him in their game plan, I think there was some serious adjustments that he needed to make. Yeah, I think physicality probably bothered him a little mm-hmm. bit and, and affected him that way. Um, I, I thought he would be a guy who would be more downhill to the rim, free throw line, create things that way. And I, I think they've tried to do some of that stuff with him. I don't know that he's been the most comfortable doing that. There are times he makes a couple plays and you go, wow. Yes. you know. And then there's other times where he just – he doesn't seem to to factor in. He just kind of gets the ball out of his hand. I, I thought he would be more assertive offensively than what than what he has been. Because I mean, they play concepts on offense. They run some sets, but there's a lot of concepts. There's a lot of action and different things in there, which gives you the freedom to go do things. I, I thought he would be a little more aggressive than 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 what he has been to this point on the offensive end of the floor. He shot more free throws than anybody in the league going into conference play, and then when conference play started. A lot of that went away for whatever reason. Yeah, but I, I think you can. I think you can make that case for this entire team. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think you look at at, at Josiah Jordan James. I mean, it's a guy that ought to be at the free throw line, and he's in for his entire career. He's never been at the free throw line. It's not his game. It's not what he does. And because they don't have that kind of action with Ziegler off the floor, it's hard to create. You know, you're you're, hard, you're you're creating it through screens and you're creating it through ball reversals instead of maybe the the defense reacting to your dribble penetration and you get a kick out or you get a dump down or a lob or something to that effect. You got to have something going towards the rim more than what Tennessee has. I don't think they've had enough of that all year long offensively, even when they're at full strength. That's Brent Hubbs with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. Sports Talk continues. Uh, our guest, Brent, his hour brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. To join the show, 865-656-9900. That's 865-656-9900. Use that number to call or text the program. This is Sports Talk on 99.1, the sports animal. Sports Talk continues. Our guest, Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com. To join us, 865-656-9900. That's 865-656-9900. Use that number to call or text the program. Brent, uh, as far as uh, spring football coming up, it's going to be March the 20th. Uh, what would be some things you would be looking for from Tennessee? Secondary, uh, both corner and safety. Um, obviously, the the offensive line um, at, at tackle, what does that look like? Who can play the right side? John Campbell's been a left-side tackle um, at Miami. Gerald Mincy's a left-side tackle. <laughs> Jeremiah Crawford seems more comfortable as a left-side tackle. So who's going to play the right side? Uh, somebody's going to have to be able to play the right side of, of that offensive line. So so that one it jumps out at me. And um, what do they do in the secondary? they got more depth, more competition there, Jimmy. 
Um, what does that look like? And then you, you're looking at the transfers. You know, what which transfer is going to be able to to really make a difference or really help you? It, you know, Dante Thornton's gotten a lot of rave reviews mm-hmm. this off season. Um, what does that look like when you're getting pads, and and how do you how does that perform um, that way? Um, so those are a couple things. I mean, th- th- this this spring's got a chance to be more intriguing, and not because Tennessee was good last year, but it but I, I think they've got better competition across the board. They've got better depth. They've got an influx of some young players. I really like this class that they just signed. Um, I like a lot of the parts to that. Most of those parts are here. So you get a chance to see those guys and see what they look like at linebacker, at corner. Um, obviously, you got a high-profile quarterback in as well. So th- there's there's a good bit to look at because I think this is going to be a more competitive spring um, but because of the in, an increase in depth in your roster. You know, first year you didn't have a linebacker who practiced. I mean, you didn't have anybody out there. They were all hurt, suspended, or whatever. Then last year you're moving safeties to corner because you didn't have any corner bodies. You got those guys now, so you got some competition there. It should make it funner to watch. What are you looking for out of Nico? We got a glimpse of him during bowl practice. Yeah, I think he just just settle in, you know, and how quick does he pick up things? We, you know, the physical attributes. I, I don't, I don't know. First of all, I don't know how much we're going to get to watch. I don't think Josh Heupel's listening, but I would dearly love to see a scrimmage, which we're never going to see. But you know, it's one of those things where. Um, it, it's going to be a little bit hard to because to, when you watch routes versus air, Jimmy, it's pretty, right? I mean, it, it, it looks great. It looks the way you're supposed to look. Ball comes out of his hand naturally. He's got a great release, got a big, big frame to work with. But, but how is he in relation to the nuances of the offense? How quickly does he pick some of those things up and build off that? We saw a tremendous jump from Hendon Hooker in year one to year two just because it's a greater understanding of the offense. It's a greater feel for what the coach is looking for when he calls something. Play your eyes better. Do more things you know, with your eyes. You're, you're in complete control of the offense. Can Joe get to that point? And then where is Nico and how much does he learn in 15 days to start to build some of that? He's not going to get it in 15 days. But, but how much of that does he start to pick up some of those things in terms of understanding and managing this offense? One thing that I'm interested in seeing how quickly Nico comes along is that history tells you Joe Milton's not going to start all 12 games. You look at the SEC last year. We, we look at how Hendon Hooker took over because mm-hmm. Milton got hurt in game two. So you want to make sure that there's another quarterback ready. And no that question. Guy looks like it's going to be Nico. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. And they'll push him, and, and they will push him as hard as he can, as they can, and he will take some things from spring and really try to build on that in the summer and then come back to it in August. You know, if you end up having to be there for whatever reason, you're probably not going to run it at the same pacing and tempo and, and with the same precision as you as you would if Joe was there and certainly as you did when Hendon was there. I mean, you look at Hendon's growth from the Pittsburgh game where he was thrust into action to where he was at the end of the year two years ago, and then obviously what he did last year. I mean, it's miles different, I mean, in terms of just his efficiency in the offense. So you're going to have to learn some things, but you would have to bring that along a little bit. But how how far do you have to bring it along? That depends on how quickly Nico can pick things up and learn things within this offense starting on March the 20th for 15 days. We are going to see an orange and white game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was announced that it's going to be April 15th and 2.30 kickoff. This will be... It's a little different. Um, you've got premium seating and non-premium seating. It's $5 to get in. And and I do think that even though many will say I'm used to getting in absolutely free, 
I think the five dollars goes to a pretty good cause. And and so, what do you think in terms of this just being an event? How important do you think that is, just for that additional connection uh, for the team and program and the fan base? Well, I mean, you know, I think in, you know you got an excited fan base, okay? And and from the $5 standpoint, anybody that really wants to go to the game is going to come to the game, whether it's 5 bucks or free or whatever the case may be. The only challenge, and this is what I would say to fans out there, understand this, you're not going to walk up and give them a $5 bill in a bucket walk into the game. you got to do the ticket thing. Yes. you got to do yeah. the digital ticket thing. That's not a hassle necessarily because if you're a regular attendee to events, you understand digital ticket. Right. If you're one of those families that you only went to the orange and white game, you can look at that thing and go, I'm not fooling with this. you know. But you do have to do a digital ticket, and you have to mm-hmm. go through that process. But but in terms of, I, I think I, I think one of the things that you have to do in college athletics that you can't get away from as NIL happens and transfer portal and all those things is, is you got to have some kind of connection to your fan base. It's one of the things I praise Tony Vitello for, for doing. He's out in the community. He's reading to kids. He ain't dragging TV cameras with him to tell him he's reading it for kids. After games, those kids are running the bags. They're signing autographs. He, he mm-hmm. has continued to keep a connection with this fan base, which I think is really important. I think it's harder to do in football because yes. there's a lot more money involved. you got a lot of premium seating. you got all these things. But you can't lose that. You can't mm-hmm. lose that connection. The problem with spring games, and this is not because of $5, but this is part of where we're going. Nobody's doing autograph stuff anymore. Okay? When I was a kid, and I, and I listen to me, I was a kid 10 miles uphill <laughs> to snow, and life was great. I don't mean it that way. But one of the joys was being able to go to the spring game, walk on the field, and get autographs. I can remember just a few years ago, you brought in your signees, and there was lines of people to get their autographs. We're never going to go back to that world. That world is over, mm-hmm. and, and and I think that's unfortunate because I think that's part of your connection a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I think you got to keep playing the games. I think you got to keep playing an open scrimmage or do whatever you can to let your fans get a glimpse. You, the, the last time you see and hear from your coaching staff can't be the bowl game, and then you talk to them again in August. You got to you got to continue to have some interaction out there. Your coach needs to be doing media stuff. Right, he needs to be at some meet and greet type things. He needs to have his hand in the community to let people feel that and to let people understand it. I, I don't think you, I don't, I think you have to be careful to fight that as this thing gets more and more corporate with premium seating and you get the corporate world out there with the advertising dollars and NIL and all those types of things. I get that's where it's going. You can't stop it, but do everything you can to keep that community feeling within your program. I think is important moving forward. That's Brent Hubbs with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. We'll get a break. Final segment to this hour of Sports Talk is next on 99.1, the sports animal. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Final segment to this hour of Sports Talk. Final segment for us with Brent Hubbs of VolQuest.com. And Brent, we go into uh, Tennessee coming off a game in which it had every opportunity to win, but the Volunteers just couldn't get the job done, fall in 10 innings to Boston College. 
there are just four games that separate Tennessee from the start of SEC play. Uh, now, a lot of things they've done well, but it just seems that there are these things that kind of rear their ugly head. You had a couple of base running issues that were pivotal in their loss to Grand Canyon out yep. in Phoenix. And last night, that would probably be the most significant hurdle, just not making wise decisions. We've talked about decision-making is huge in all sports, and certainly that's a key component of winning baseball. Well, and I, I thought Tony Vitello post game last night was pretty clear. You know, you, you got to have the grit. You got to have you, you got to have that that fight about you, but you also got to have composure in those critical moments. One of the challenges for this baseball team this year is going to be they don't have the luxury of the bat bailing them out of mistakes like a year ago. It didn't matter if they didn't get the bunt down last year. It really didn't because if you didn't move the runner to second, the guy behind you might hit a bomb. That's right, because, 158 of them. <laughs> yeah, because because one through nine, everybody could hit it. That's not going to be this team. That's not to say they're a bad team. That's not to say they can't hit. They just don't have offensively what they had a year ago. And because of what they had a year ago, as, as Coach Vitello said last night, it was kind of a charm life. You can make a mistake and get away with it because you might bat around the next inning and score 10 runs. I mean, look at how many games in conference play last year that were not the traditional Friday night one run, two one affair, three one. I mean, it's like, hey, Tennessee scored 12. <laughs> Final score 12 3, you know, in, in conference play. <laughs> but because they could hit it so well, this team's not going to have that. So as a result, margin for error is smaller. You've got to be fundamentally more sound. You've got to play situational baseball better than you did. You can't get away with some of the mistakes that they got away with last year. And that's the growth. They learned that's a lesson that you hope they learn from last night and really take heed to moving forward. Don't run through the stop sign at second base, right? You, you got to pay attention to what you're doing. You got to understand playing the situation and not just saying, hey, let, let's see what my velo is with it coming off the bat and see how far it goes. Because you're not playing that kind of baseball. You got to play a little small ball, which that's not something they've done the last couple of years. They have to adjust to that. What all is going on at VolQuest.com these days? Well, Rob's got a feature up on Freddie DeLeon and just kind of his adjustment into Tennessee basketball, kind of where he is after missing out on the second half of his senior season and his thoughts on that. Really interesting insight from the freshman on kind of where he is as he watches this team. We'll have full coverage of the SEC tournament. we got recruiting coverage. We've got a ton of spring preview stuff starting on Saturday that's going to run through all next week to get you ready for the start of spring practice on the 20th. Mailbag podcast tomorrow. We'll do the war room. We've got the porch tomorrow with Luke Lipschitz. If you're a baseball fan and you haven't listened to that podcast, I encourage you to do so. Not because it's Eric Kane. Although Eric does a really good job. Luke, <laughs> Luke, Luke is outstanding on that yes. podcast. He does a fantastic job of talking baseball out of the lingo, of just talking to the common fan about baseball and breaking things down. It's a lot of fun to listen to if you're a baseball fan. Uh, that's coming up tomorrow. Tons of stuff going on right now. It's, it's hectic right now, which is good. And you still have a pretty good deal if folks aren't a member of AllQuest. You still got a deal that uh, folks can pay a very, very affordable price. That'll carry them all the way to the start of football season. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going. So it's just a great time to check us out. I mean, it really is. And I mean, we got a lot of passionate people talking about baseball. We had more baseball threads last night than I could have ever imagined for a midweek game. We're talking about baseball last night, um, which is fun and, and, and just a lot of interest in everything going on at Tennessee right now. It's a good time. Brent, really appreciate you moving up your day to today and uh, enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll catch up next week. All right, sounds good, guys. Thanks. That's Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. His appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. 
Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. If you sacrifice your dream for the sake of satisfying someone else, that can often lead to ongoing resentment, which then poisons a relationship subtly, slowly, but it does. And if he doesn't want to let you down, then your dreams matter. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.